Welcome back to the Moms That Lead podcast. I'm happy to be recording from a no longer frozen Houston. Last week was definitely an adventure, but I'm thankful that though we lost power and water for quite a while, our family managed well and so did our pipes and most of our house. Thank you to those of you who sent messages checking in on us. It means a lot to have the support of this community. But today, as we continue in our series about leadership skills that moms rock, I found it kind of ironic that we're talking about emotional intelligence in this episode. As if there's one thing that can help when your family is stuck inside a heatless house with no water or internet, it's definitely emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is also critically important as we continue to face multiple crises as a nation and as a world. And in fact, emotional intelligence seems to be what's lacking right now in the world of social media. But even in easier times, research shows that emotional intelligence is one of the most powerful predictors of work performance. And employers are taking notice when selecting for new hires and for internal promotions. So whether you're leading in a workplace, in the community, or at home, in easy or in tough times, today's topic is one that you don't want to miss. But first, in case you're new here, let me tell you a little bit more about me and about Moms That Lead. Are you ready to jump off the hamster wheel and finally listen to that voice inside that says you were meant for more? Are you ready to replace overwhelm with calm and clarity, self-doubt with confidence, and mom guilt with connection, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Moms That Lead podcast, where we know that moms have a unique ability to be world changers and that leadership is not about position. But instead, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are a leader. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor, determined to bring you the inspiration, motivation, and practical tips to help you live your best life. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder. My family's journey to completing an Ironman triathlon changed my life forever, and I want to be your friend on the journey to gain the clarity, confidence, and connection that I gained from that experience. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths, let's jump in. Okay. So in case you're not familiar with emotional intelligence, or EI for short, it's not actually just one skill, but in fact a set of skills that help us recognize, understand, and manage our own emotions, as well as recognize, understand, and influence the emotions of others. And of all the skills that we've covered in this series of leadership skills that moms rock, I'd say that EI skills are at the top of the list. So today, we'll go through four primary skills that make up EI, talk about why moms have a unique advantage with each skill, and talk about how you can develop the skill if you feel like you don't quite yet excel with it in your leadership. So let's jump in. The first skill is self-awareness. Self-awareness just means that you understand your strengths and weaknesses, and you recognize your emotions and the effect they have on you and your team's performance. How self-aware do you feel about your own emotions? Many of you may feel very self-aware. And I'd say that's because as moms, we often have little mirrors walking around with us all the time. Do you know what I mean? We don't really have to guess about our weaknesses 
I know I at least see them reflected in the behaviors of my kids that annoy me the most. And we also don't have to guess about how our emotions affect others. I've become painfully aware of how one instance of me letting go and yelling at one of my kids can quickly change the mood and motivation of everyone in the room. So as a mom, you probably might be a little bit more self-aware than someone else who doesn't have little mirrors running around them all the time. But when might this self-awareness be particularly useful? Well, I know for me at work, when I'm in a meeting where someone is acting in an entitled way, I know that's a trigger for me. And immediately if I let myself go, I will become demotivated. But on the other hand, If I'm self-aware and I can anticipate that happening, I can find a way to work around how they are acting and see if there is a way that we can get to a place that we achieve the goals that we're both looking for. Similarly, you may be on a committee in the community and you may know that when you feel like you have to do all the work, you get angry and you shut down. If you're self-aware and you know that that's coming, maybe you instead can find a productive way to deal with that and find a way that you're not in a situation where you're doing all the work. Similarly, at home, maybe you're running around the house on the weekend doing all the chores while you're watching your kids and your spouse sitting on the couch. Instead of getting all that frustration pent up inside of you, Maybe if you know that that's a trigger for you, you can have a productive conversation with your spouse and your kids before you get to that point and divvy up the work equally. So self-awareness can help us prevent situations where our emotions may lead to negative impacts. Not only that, some research shows that people who are self-aware tend to be confident and more creative. They also make better decisions, build stronger relationships, and communicate more effectively. On the flip side, when you have to work with colleagues who aren't self-aware, that has been shown to cut a team's success in half and lead to increased stress and decreased motivation. So clearly it's important. But what do you do if self-awareness doesn't come easy for you? The fact is, the higher we go up in leadership, the less feedback we get. And that's a problem. Because getting others' feedback is one of the key ways for us to become self-aware. So a couple ideas for you. First of all, maybe you keep an emotion journal. You may be familiar with keeping a food journal where you just write down what you're eating in order to then be able to look back and see how what you ate caused different feelings inside of your body. Similarly, an emotion journal is just somewhere where you write down throughout the day with no judgment, what are you feeling, why are you feeling that, and what happened next. Now, you may just want to write down words about what you're feeling throughout the day. And if you don't think you're going to remember what happened next, maybe you write down different happenings during your day, and you look back on that at the end of the day and reflect on the why, or the linkages between what happened, your emotions, and what happened next. So that's one really easy way that you can start becoming more self-aware. Another way is to use a tool that's out there. There are several different ways that you can really learn about yourself and your personality. 
One that I like the best is the Gallup Strengths Finder, because we all have unique strengths, and with those unique strengths and preferences come different ways that we react to people and different triggers that we have. And knowing more about yourself can help you identify those. You may also be familiar with the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs or the Hogan Assessment. Any of those usually help you to look inside yourself and learn a little bit more about your preferences and how you interact with others in the world. And that is a step to becoming self-aware. Okay, so let's say you know what your emotions are. You've got the self-awareness down. It really doesn't do much good for you if you can't master the next skill, self-management or regulation. And self-management or regulation is really exactly what it sounds like. It's the ability to manage your own emotions and behaviors. Now, I think with this one also, moms have a unique training ground with our kids. After all, if you don't manage your own emotions and stay positive for your family, often that leads to impacts that you don't want. And you often experience those negative impacts very concretely in how your family reacts to you. Now, I'm not saying you always have to be happy, but I'm saying you have to develop practices that help you to manage those emotions and deal with them productively. That's what self-management and regulation is all about. Self-management and regulation at work is, for example, maybe writing out an email response to someone that you're a little bit angry with, but not hitting send, and going back and maybe finding a different way to address that issue later and deleting that draft email that you created. So how do you improve with self-management and regulation? Well, of course, as we mentioned, first you have to be self-aware. So you have to nail that. You have to know exactly what emotions you're feeling, what's causing those emotions, and what behaviors tend to result when you experience those emotions. You have to, in other words, recognize your triggers. You also need to recognize maybe the physical signs that come as a result of those emotions. Maybe your heart starts beating faster. Maybe you can feel the blood kind of rushing to your face when you get angry. The reason you need to recognize those physical signs and recognize the triggers is because that can become your signal then to pause and take a few deep breaths. And it is amazing the impact that just doing those two actions can have. But maybe for you, that's not enough. Maybe you know that when you feel a certain emotion, you need to find a way to get out of that situation, at least for a little bit. Maybe that's agreeing with your team or your spouse that you need to just take a break for a little while. Getting out of the room and calming down and sometimes even focusing on a different task can do a world of good in terms of calming our emotions and helping us to manage and regulate how we respond to those emotions. So the next time that you are feeling that emotion, those physical symptoms that are the result of those emotions, try one of those techniques and see if that helps you to manage your emotions more effectively. After self-awareness and self-regulation, the next two components are all about others. Understanding and regulating your own emotions is really only half the battle. The fact is we live in communities big and small, so social awareness or empathy is just as important 
And that is the next EI skill that we'll talk about. So in other words, although it's important to understand and manage your own emotions, you also need to know how to read a room. Social awareness describes your ability to recognize others' emotions and the dynamics in play within your organization, whether that be a workplace, a community group, or your family. A good leader strives to understand the feelings and perspectives of others, which can be incredibly helpful for communicating and collaborating more effectively with others. If you've ever felt truly seen by a colleague or a leader, you are around someone who had mastered social awareness. Again, as moms, we tend to have an advantage with this because the ability to read a room in terms of your kid's emotion is a survival skill as a mom. If you want to keep things in order and keep peace in the room, we are constantly having to assess everyone's emotions quickly when we come into that room. Am I right? Who's ever tried to correct their teenager who just came home from a day at school where they were slighted by their friends? It doesn't go well, does it? I know for me, social awareness came in very handy as my team prepped to share evaluation data with other leaders in the organization. Evaluation data can be pretty scary for people because it's basically information that comes back that tells if they're doing a good job or not at a certain program. We had to know that and we had to understand what implications a bad score might have for particular leaders so that we could share it in a way that would lead to constructive improvements instead of defenses and dismissal. Similarly, in team meetings, if you're trying to get employees to work collaboratively, you have to understand what motivations they might have for caring or for lifting others up. Do they have those motivations? Or are there more natural motivations to succeed as an individual and leave others on the team in the dust? If you're leading a committee in the community, it's important to understand the perspective of those who are working on that committee and understand what you're asking them to give up in order to do what you want them to do. And what emotions might that inspire? Is your request for someone to be there on a Saturday morning keeping a parent away from their infant daughter that they've only seen one hour a night each weekday because of work? So you can probably see that it's important, but maybe you don't feel as adept at reading others' emotions and perspectives it's definitely worth spending some time to improve that. In fact, the global leadership development firm DDI ranks empathy as the number one leadership skill, and they report that leaders who master empathy perform more than 40% higher in coaching, engaging others, and decision-making. That's a huge advantage to have in a work environment. I would argue that the same would go for leaders who are leading in other forums, whether that be the community or at home. You're just more effective when you can understand the emotions and the perspectives of others around you. So what can you do if you don't feel good at this? How can you improve? First of all, I would say as much as you can, observe others and look for patterns. Do you notice that when someone is put in a particular situation, they tend to react the same way all the time? Second, practice active listening. And we are going to do a skill episode on this later this week. But active listening is about being really present for someone and knowing how to ask clarifying questions that can really get at the emotions that are underlying their thoughts and behaviors. 
Another strategy is to recognize an emotion in others that maybe you've experienced before. So maybe you know that you have experienced that emotion when you were faced with a certain trigger, and that might be a clue to why they are exhibiting that emotion as well. And finally, for those of you who love to read out there, reading books with complex characters can actually be a way to build your empathy and your social awareness. That just exposes you to different characters that have different emotions, maybe from what you've experienced, and gives you a bigger wealth of experience in terms of emotions that people can experience and how they might exhibit it as you're trying to understand the world around you and read the rooms that you have to operate within. Finally, the last pillar of emotional intelligence that we'll talk about today is relationship management. Relationship management is all about your ability to influence, coach, and mentor others and resolve conflict effectively. Now, we've covered several different topics on this podcast that have dealt with many of these. For example, remember when we talked about the importance of having tough conversations and how to have them back on episode 21? If you didn't catch that, go back and listen. Similarly, we talked about building trust on a team. And that is good, effective, and that is effective relationship management as well. That was back on episode six, if you missed that. Moms are naturally good at this because, similarly as I talked about before, it's basically what we do every minute. We have to find a way to influence our kids to resolve conflict. I loved what a mom told me when I asked her why she thought that moms made good leaders, and she said, if I can get my kids to eat their peas and broccoli... I can influence anyone to do anything. It's just something that we have to face each day, how to manage relationships effectively. So it's another way that being a parent is a natural training ground for being a leader. But if you feel that you need some help, again, revisit those past episodes in which we talked about having difficult conversations, building trust, inspiring others. Those will be a good start to get you on your journey to improve your relationship management. One final word. If you're sitting here thinking, I'm great at all these skills you mentioned, but how can I get that one problem employee or that volunteer or that kid to be more emotionally intelligent so that we can work together more effectively? First of all, I would stop you right there and just make sure you start with yourself. Go through these exercises we just talked about and make sure that you really do have the skills of self-awareness, emotion regulation or management, social awareness or empathy, and relationship management. Make sure you have all those skills nailed. Usually there's something that we can find to improve ourselves. Secondly, if you're trying to help others develop their emotional intelligence, set expectations. First of all, set expectations for the fact that these are skills that can be developed. They're not skills that you are either born with or you aren't. You can develop these skills by working on specific strategies. Secondly, motivate those that you are leading. Help them to feel the pain of not improving by providing examples of negative impacts on their career that they may have seen as a result 
of not being as skilled as they could be in terms of emotional intelligence. Provide specific exercises, like some of the ones that I mentioned here, based on the skill that they are most struggling with, and give them opportunities to practice and provide supportive feedback that helps them to continue to improve on the skill that you are working on. Of all the leadership skills that we've talked about, emotional intelligence skills are the ones that I think have the broadest application. So if you as a leader can improve your EI and help others to develop as well, you won't only be leading a more effective team, you'll also help to improve the quality of lives of those that you are leading and those that they interact with every day. If you'd like to go deeper on emotional intelligence, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to set up a one-on-one coaching session with you, as emotional intelligence skills are some of my favorite skills to focus on. Until next time, lead with love.